I trust your appetite to be filled by the Spirit is increasing as God answers prayer as we express our desire and also that uh, the glory of the Lord's presence is beginning to brighten your soul. Uh, so in our first session, the indispensable gift of the Spirit, what I wanted to pass on from the Word of God is that the Holy Spirit is indispensable to the life of the Christian and the church. He is God's empowering presence. And he is given to every believer who comes to Christ in the new covenant. There is a clear connection between the spirit and the experience of power. The more we are filled with the Spirit, the more we will fulfill God's purpose for our own lives and for the church. So that's a summary of our first session. We come now to our second session entitled The Unmistakable Filling of the Spirit. And here I would want to try uh, to unpack God's word to show what is the relationship between receiving the Holy Spirit as a gift at conversion, Acts 2.38, and experiencing the filling or the release of the Spirit in one's life. I will also address the question of whether speaking in tongues is the one and only mark of being filled or released in the Holy Spirit. And then is there room for more than one experience of being filled with the Spirit? What I want to get across is that the filling of the Spirit is a sovereign work of God in His grace. That's where the weightage lies. It's God's initiative because of his grace. And then there is the part where we are to exercise our free will, to choose, to ask, and to receive. So it is experienced by those who come with repentance and faith and desire. So, into our notes, section 2, what does the filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit refer to? <clears throat> now, different people use different words to describe this experience of being filled with the Spirit. So you have filling, but you also have the word baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, John baptizes with water, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So uh, that is another word found in Scripture. And then there is outpouring, the outpouring of the Spirit that touches lives and changes lives. And then more recently maybe, some have used the word release because they want uh, to show the connection. You receive the Holy Spirit, as God's gift. So the Spirit is within you. But the filling is like the release of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so uh, you have the power of God within you, 
but it needs to be released, and it's released through the filling of the Holy Spirit. So different words, but I'm using them interchangeably, my friends. And then maybe in the question time, you can perhaps raise some clarifications. So what does the filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit refer to? Now, because the word baptism is used in Holy Scripture, let me explain that baptism refers to the act of immersion or being submerged. So the baptism or filling or pouring of the Holy Spirit, I want to present to you is a distinct experience. It's a distinct experience of the Holy Spirit coming upon the believer in a powerful way. And there are particularly two texts that I want to call your attention to to explain why I believe that the filling of the Holy Spirit is a distinct experience. The first is in Acts chapter 19 and verses 1 to 7. Acts chapter 19 verses 1 to 7. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. I call your attention first to the question posed by the Apostle Paul. Paul asked these seven men, verse 2, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So that leads us to deduce that in the early church, when people came to receive the Lord, when they came to baptism, they were there and then they received and they were filled. In other words, both came together. They came to the Lord, they gave themselves to the Lord, and the Spirit filled them, and that's why it's a visible sign, so that Paul can ask, did you receive? It seems to me it is something observable, it seems to me. Now, the same approach is uh, taken in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul is calling the church back to place all its faith, not in works, not in circumcision, but in Christ Jesus. So let me now uh, read this passage, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed 
as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So Paul now, putting a church right, a church straying into false doctrine and relying on circumcision and the law to be righteous before God, he brings them back to Christ and reminds them of their beginnings. And in reminding them of their beginnings, he says, he asked them in verse 3, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So he is relying that they have experienced the Spirit, you see. Are you with me, friends? You have experienced this filling of the Spirit. You've moved into a new realm. Now, did you receive that experience through works, by doing certain things? or simply by your faith in Jesus. And then in verse 5, he gives us a sense that when you receive the Spirit, it is something miraculous when you receive the filling uh, of the Spirit. So in verse 5 he says, there's God who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Can you see the conjunction? So God who supplies the Spirit, who manifests himself in supernatural ways, and works miracles in you, which is again supernatural power of God, does he who does these things do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So these two texts, among others, help me to believe that in the pattern. So God teaches us, what shall I say, through... Um, clear, formulated truths. They are taught like the Ten Commandments. But God also teaches us through narrative, through what has happened. They may be of a different order, but they are part of the revelation of God. And so uh, it seems clear to me that this life of the Spirit in the early church was one at the same time that when people turned to the Lord and came to the waters of baptism, they were simultaneously filled. In other words, they received the Holy Spirit as God's gift, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then almost immediately, they were filled. They had this distinct experience of being filled with the Spirit. So I want to encourage you now to see the filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit as a spiritual event with a fourfold effect. So, as we come in this conference, uh, there will be a time, and it will be in God's sovereign will, but we have set apart tomorrow at the service to pray for this filling, this distinctive experience of being filled in the Spirit. And the effect is fourfold. It renews the inner person. 
I believe we have a song, Inside Out, You're Changing Me. Inside Out. So there's a, this tremendous experience of your soul being uh, overwhelmed by the presence and the brightness of God. So when you are filled with the Spirit in this distinct experience, you will become so aware of God's presence and God's power. Your heart is melted by God's love. Your mind is renewed on eternity's values. You remember the Ephesians 4. The spirit of your mind is changed and your soul is filled with inexpressible joy. That's what happened at Pentecost, you see. The joy flooded them. So much so people thought they were drunk. But they were not drunk with wine. They were drunk with the spirit's joy. The person's inner spirit is immersed or released into the light of God. Hence, when you are overwhelmed by His presence, that is why for several maybe or some, you are slain in the spirit. Because your soul beholds His presence and you are enraptured by Him. So this renewal of the Holy Spirit uh, when the Spirit fills you like this, you are led into a kind of direct experience with God, an inexpressible and glorious joy, an enthusiasm for God. God is so real. And what He has done in Christ is so marvelous, you know. So in Acts 2, they are declaring the wonderful works of God because their heart is so enraptured, their, their mind is so filled with what God has done. I'm going to read you now uh, some words from Kentala Massa, uh, who is a wonderful uh, teacher of God's Word. He's from the Roman Catholic Church, but he has also experienced the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And he writes that the mind passes beyond reason into the light of God. You don't despise the mind, but you've gone past the mind. You surpass the mind and you embrace a reality that you begin to know experientially, intuitively. God is present. God is here. And God's love is unstoppable. So uh, there is this inner change. Let me quote him. The baptism or filling of the Spirit takes the soul beyond its poverty and powerlessness into a state of grace where there is no room for doubt, regret or self-absorption, but only for joy and thanksgiving as your soul becomes rooted in God. So when you're filled with the Spirit, your whole soul, your inner being is transformed overwhelmed by the light and you are, you are transported into the joy and into the, the brightness of God's presence and what He has done. And God is so real to you. So that's the first kind of impact of being filled with the Spirit in a distinct experience. Secondly, you are ushered into the realm of the supernatural. So when you are baptized with the Spirit or filled with the Spirit, you begin to move in the realm of the supernatural, where you receive gifts of the Spirit, you receive anointing, you receive gifts and graces which come from God. 
and enablements from the Holy Spirit. So you move from, if you like, the natural plane, because of the Spirit coming upon you, you move into the divine realm. You begin to hear what God is saying. You begin to connect with God in the realm of his presence. And that's where uh, the Bible teaches us about the gifts of the Spirit. So now if you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, you can see a whole variety of gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is where we derive our teaching and our understanding of Holy Spirit gifts. Uh, there are parallel passages in Romans 12 and Ephesians uh, 4. So as we put them together, now there are gifts which, if you like, empowered by the Spirit, move into a new realm. So preaching under the power of the Spirit has that anointing. It's life-giving. It's not only, what shall I say, it's not only uh, oratorical and so forth, but it brings life. And as the word is preached, uh, the power of the Spirit begins to change people's hearts. So uh, we find that we might, might, may not want to make such a strong distinction between what is natural and supernatural. What happens is the power of the Spirit infuses both. And there are acts of service which now flow with such a joy and such love that they convey life to others. Uh, so uh, as you go through this passage, you can see a whole variety of gifts. But I draw your attention to the spiritual gifts. So if I'm picking it up now, I pick it up now at verse 7. To each, so every member of the church is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. I'm sure you have heard of um, uh, people who are known to be, um, uh, uh, those who, who are known for praying by faith. Uh, they, they, they have the capacity to believe the impossible from God. To another, gifts of healing, plural, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, we move into the realm when we are baptized or filled with the Spirit. We will receive from God gifts with which to magnify God and build up his body. And the arrangement here keeps us from thinking of a kind of order of importance. Uh, it's mixed. There are varieties of gifts, but the intention is that the gifts are intended to build up the body. They are empowered by the one same Spirit. So there are diverse gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. And it's given to each one for the common good. So on that score, Paul will go on in this passage, perhaps... Uh, the church in Corinth, very likely, is very enamored, you know, by the supernatural gift of tongues. 
So by using tongues, they feel they are in ecstasy. They are more connected with the divine realm. They're more spiritual. So they may think. But Paul has to correct that. Because what is more valuable, he says, are the gifts that build up the body. So he's not despising tongues. He's not despising any of the gifts. But he's saying, in your heart, seek the gifts. Desire all spiritual gifts, but especially those that build up the body. Because you're not drawing attention to yourself, you're building up God's family, God's body. So those are the gifts that can come to you. They usher you into the realm. And I included here interceding. There is a gift of interceding according to the will of God. That's derived from Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. So the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses and helps us to intercede according to the will of God. So as I look out on all saints, in my imagination, yeah, each one exercising his or her gift. You know, the gift of teaching. And I can see how important that is in today's age, to teach the children and the youth for the battles of their generation. Uh, the, yeah, teaching them the, the truth of Scripture, not just telling them the stories, but teaching them the truth of Holy Scripture. So may the church come alive. So the first one is, if you like, the inner person is enraptured and there's an intimacy with God. God is real and God is good and God has done it. You know, there's the, the joy of the Lord and the presence of the Lord, the inner. Then comes, you're ushered into the supernatural realm through the gifts of the Spirit. Then thirdly, you are empowered to uh, be a bold and vibrant witness for Jesus Christ. So when the Spirit comes upon you, and we uh, find that in Acts, when the Holy Spirit fills them, uh, they speak the word more boldly. Let me just point it out to you in Acts chapter 4. So in Acts chapter 4, the apostles have been threatened by the authorities that they will be punished if they go on preaching this. But they come to the Lord in prayer. They cry out to God. And so I'm now in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to the end. Uh, it's the prayer meeting of the church. And the Holy Spirit, as I read it, the Holy Spirit is enabling them to rise up in faith, prayers of faith. And they cry out to God, the Creator, look upon these threats of God. Continue to do your mighty work in the name of Jesus. That's how they are crying. Now, let me just read verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Okay, so uh, spirit-filling, uh, decisive encounter, experience, and it releases this fourfold track, your soul and the nearness of God, the centeredness of your life on God is there. There's a brightness of God shining from within. And then there's the supernatural realm as you begin to hear words of knowledge and wisdom and pray with the Spirit's help. You're moving into the spiritual realm. And thirdly, uh, you have this empowered. You are empowered to tell others 
about Jesus. So as I look at the statistics of the census, may we be a generation that will change those statistics before 2030 comes. May we, beloved, yeah, God moving. My friends, we're not in a competitive game. We're not trying to boost our ideology. Every life matters. So the statistics are not there for our success. The statistics tell us lives and families and family trees are being changed. That's the desire the Holy Spirit gives. And they spoke the word of God more boldly. Fourthly, the track. When the Spirit fills you, your moral life changes. It increases your capacity to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. So when you are Spirit baptized, God has, not, has given us not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has given us a spirit of power, dynamic power, to let his goodness flow through us, the energy of his goodness. God has given us a spirit of love. We are, we are there uh, really with, uh, uh, with an overflowing heart. But then it says, given us a spirit of self-control, self-control. So that means uh, our passions and desires are not running riot. We are gaining mastery. We are not ruled by our passions and we are not ruled by conflicting desires. So often in life, there are so many things uh, competing for our attention. But uh, there is an ordered mind. God orders. You are integrated, right? Self-control. And out of that, you minister. And in this self-control, just to give you an example, a father perhaps who loves his children but is given to being hot-tempered, he changes. A mother who is perhaps caught in competition com yeah, for various reasons, having to prove herself and competing all the time and maybe uh, passing the anxiety of competition to her children changes. Uh, so the spirit, so I want to cover how when the spirit comes and you are filled, it touches your soul, it ushers you into the supernatural and it makes you a powerful witness and it changes the moral quality of your life and character. So that is what the filling or baptisms. Baptism is immersion. You're immersed in the Holy Spirit's presence and power. Now, does that mean that when we are filled with the Spirit, when we have this encounter, does that mean we must all speak in tongues? That's a common question that is asked. Now, the narratives in Acts do give us, just now when I read Acts 19, you would have read, you would have heard when Paul laid his hands. Mind you, the disciples were 
um, inadequate in their faith. They only knew the baptism of John, which is a baptism of repentance. You repent and you go back to the old covenant. You keep the covenant. Uh, you walk with God and you keep his commandments. So they were baptized into John's repentance. They never heard of the Holy Spirit. So church, I want you to know, when we now present the gospel, we are asking people to repent and jump forward. Okay? We, they are to they repent of their sin and their rebellion and all the shameful things in their life. They repent of that, but they jump forward because... Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. So you're moving forward, you see, you're jumping into what God has done. It's a different baptism. And that's what these seven then do. They, they receive Jesus Christ, they jump forward into the new life. The kingdom of God comes with power, you know. It's a new covenant. They jump in. And then it says, Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy and speak in tongues, which is the sign of supernatural enabling. So the question is, must this always accompany speaking in tongues? And my answer to that is no. It is not as I read scripture and how. So both in Acts 8, Acts 8 is when the gospel breaks beyond the Jews to the Samaritans. And in Acts 19, there's inadequate teaching and then a full conversion. I don't think these passages are intended to make this the norm. So having said that, I don't personally believe that speaking in tongues is the only mark of spirit filling. Let me quickly add, but it is not an uncommon mark. So as the spirit, so the spirit decides how to manifest his presence. And I wouldn't want any one of you to say, no, 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 I don't want that. <laughs> the Spirit works according to the counsel of His own will. Let the Spirit fill you in the way that He wants to. And let it be decisive. Let it usher you into the sense of being carried supernaturally, of having such a desire for prayer. So some people, after Spirit baptism, they have, well, the change of behavior, but they have such a hunger for God. They could spend hours just praying and interceding and journaling answers to prayer. And uh, it's a new realm in which they are moving. I want to give you, I think it may be on the screen, the testimony of Bishop Chubanit. Bishop uh, Chubanit uh, experienced the filling of the Spirit in a room in Bangkok while he was there for a conference and he writes about it. So let me read it so you have a sense what happens because I'm sharing with you feeling of the Spirit is a distinct experience. This is how it happened for Bishop Chubanit. When I woke up, I was conscious of the great difference within me. So actually he got baptized in the Spirit while he was resting and sleeping. He had asked God for this before he fell off asleep. But when he woke up, he found he was in a different state. God was suddenly very close. Remember what I said about the inner soul, having an intimacy with God. My heart was filled with life, joy and peace, instead of anger, despair and gloom. Brothers and sisters, I'm talking about a bishop, you know. So please don't put bishops on a pedestal. 
Bishops also <laughs> experience anger, despair and gloom. But out of that sense of being bereft and hopeless, he found life, joy and peace. I burst out with praise and thanked God through Jesus Christ. So this is the overwhelming thanksgiving, you know. And he's allowing the words to bubble up within him. When I ran out of English words, I resorted to Chinese. Soon I was struggling again to find words and correct theological thoughts to express myself. The dam of the mind burst and I found myself uttering new sounds and syllables which had no meaning to my mind but which I knew in my spirit were fluently giving expression to the praise and thanksgiving which was welling within me towards God. May the Lord uh, stir in our hearts. Most of us would already come to this conference with our own sort of perspective about the Holy Spirit, maybe our experience or people's reports of Holy Spirit phenomena. But I ask you to come as a child. Acknowledging that we need this power from God and to ask him for this distinct experience. I read Acts chapter 4 just now because there can be more than one filling. So the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, now run into heavy weather. They're feeling the opposition. Fear is a real thing. But they bring it to God. And as they cry out to God, they are filled again. So I want you, beloved, maybe some of you have experienced being filled with the Spirit. Maybe there was a church camp or a service and the Holy Spirit came upon you. Uh, but then that is now a lapsed memory. God is stirring the fire. God is pouring down the Spirit that you might be filled again and experience this intimacy with God, this confidence in God being propelled you know, carried forward because God's love is so real and people need the Lord. When I say that, some of us, you will find that God puts the foreign workers on your mind or God puts a people group on your mind. So glad that uh, Joe and Carol had gone uh, with uh, Pastor Inben to Nepal. So I want to release it, friends. Um, this is not... Yeah, so when the Spirit comes... We yield control. Is that okay? Yeah, because God has shown himself. Then the words became real. God is for us. Who can be against us? Isaiah says, here am I, send me. So uh, that's the filling of the Spirit. We are not at this conference just for a momentary lift. I, I don't believe. 
I believe what God has put in Pastor Darren's heart is that this is a turning point. We begin to be confident of God and serious with God. We ask God to change. We may have lapsed. We may have allowed many, many unclean things into our life. But God is able. He is refiner's fire. The Spirit comes, cleanses us, and sets us free to set others free. Are you with me? So I invite you, as uh, we continue in these sessions, let your heart cry out. Being baptized or filled with the Spirit is a distinct supernatural experience known by the recipient. You will know it. That the Spirit of God has filled you and often made visible to the wider church at the time that you're filled or soon after because people see the difference. Some have been healed of insomnia and, and, and by the Spirit's feeling set free from chains. They've been abused in the past and the fear has followed them. But Spirit filling has set them free. So many ways in which you experience the distinct filling of the Holy Spirit. I move to section three. When uh, does the filling of the Spirit occur? When does it occur? I've pointed out to you in Scripture that uh, the passages in Scripture and the way Paul relates, for example, to the Corinthians and Galatians, it happens there and then. You come to Christ and you're filled with the Spirit. In Scripture, we find it can happen at conversion. So God is not in a box. Are, you, are we together? God moves according to the counsel of His will and according to the love in His heart, right? So God moves. And in uh, Acts, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, they haven't even been baptized. They're just hearing the gospel being preached. But as they hear, they are believing and as they are believing, the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they are speaking in tongues. They are glorifying God. This Roman centurion having a house meeting now has praise and prayer flowing. How did it happen? Because God released the Spirit. He poured out His Spirit on that gathering. And it's even before conversion. They haven't even been baptized. So it can happen before conversion. Certainly, it happens at conversion. And it happens after conversion. So after water baptism, I mentioned to you Acts chapter 8, that's the, the new disciples in Samaria. They are baptized, but Peter and John come because something is happening, you see. God is showing that the kingdom of God and the new people of God has no race barrier. So he wants them to know this is a gospel, this is a new work of God, not just for the Jews, but for Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles. So there's a purpose. And the disciples come and Peter and John lay their hands and again, the filling of the Spirit and they burst out in tongues and in praise. They their life filled with the presence of God. In Acts chapter 19, you have there on Ephesus, you know, the seven which I read for you. So repent and believe in the good news and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So I conclude, friends, that it would be ideal that water baptism or conversion, the time you enter 
the life of faith, and we become a Christian, Christian initiation, water baptism and spirit baptism, which is Christian empowering, occur together at the same time. I think as I read the New Testament, that was the experience that God works in such a way you come to Christ and you receive and are filled with the Spirit. But over time, this began to be less of a reality. And then, of course, in the Anglican Church, we have infant baptism. We began to draw in, if you like, how God can include a child in the household of faith, cause the community, especially the parents and godparents, to bring up the child in faith, so that at confirmation, the child can make his or her choice and decide on receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. So different things came into the life of the church, and it seems to me that the two began to be a bit more separated. That people were baptized, but there wasn't an expectancy that they will be filled with the Spirit. So pastors, we also have to now rethink, how do we initiate them into new life in Christ? It seems to me we have every reason to pray for the filling of the Spirit at the time that they come to faith, at the time that they are water baptized. Uh, some of you may know of Jackie Pullinger. Jackie Pullinger, a missionary from England with decades of work in a drug-infested settlement in Hong Kong. And she, in her mission, she instructs her staff, when you share the gospel and they come to faith, lay hands and pray for them to be filled with the Spirit. Because they need the Spirit to overcome their drug addiction. And she restores, she challenges churches in Singapore. Don't, don't, don't have it at a distance, you know. Spiritfulness is needed for Christian life and witness. And so she encourages, and it's maybe their standard practice, lead people to the Lord and straight away, and I've begun to practice it, straight away if a person receives Christ, Lord, fill him or her with your spirit, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill, and let them experience supernatural power from the time of their conversion. So God is not undone that the pattern now has maybe a separation between coming to faith. Coming to faith, you receive the Spirit indwelling you, but the Spirit not yet released. Not, you are not yet filled with the Spirit, and that comes later. And God will do it because He loves you and longs to fill you with His Spirit. That's our inheritance in Christ. So we enter and grow in the life of the Spirit. And so there are other occasions. And sometimes it is that, oh, you were baptized, but for years you never experienced life in the Spirit. This life which is ablaze with God's love. Please, no, it doesn't mean you're always there all the time. But that's the trajectory. That's the realm. You're in a new realm. There are many enemies to that realm. I'll come to that in a moment. But, uh, yeah, you're in that realm. So I wanted to ask you, what are some of those occasions when God will fill you? I repeat, it is a distinct experience. And you can have this distinct experience 
at different points in your life, when you're dry and disconnected and without hope, like the Valley of Dry Bones, and God just breathes life into you. Confirmation would be one such instance. This is my great joy. Yeah, one of my greatest joys in ministry as a bishop is to lay hands on those who then come and they become fully members of the church. And I see it as an occasion to pray for a fresh filling of the Spirit that they might live to His praise and glory. You know the words in the confirmation, defend, O Lord, this your child, and you mentioned the name, that they may be protected by God. Defend, O Lord, this your servant, so and so, with your heavenly grace, that they may increase in the Holy Spirit more and more until they come into thy everlasting kingdom. That's a wonderful picture. Increase in the Holy Spirit as you are filled with the Spirit. And then church camps and this conference would be an example, a time to stand still and receive. Wait, you will receive power from on high. So, we need then to ask, so why is there a delay? How come I'm, I come to faith, I experience new life in Jesus, my sins are forgiven, I have a new desire, uh, new goals to aim for and so forth, new relationships also. Then how come there's a delay and then I get spirit-filled later? So, those who work hard to see God's consistency See the Spirit filling as the release of a sacrament that happened at water baptism. In water baptism, in the sacrament, a sacrament means it's an outward sign of an inward grace. So you're already receiving the Spirit, but it's an unreleased sacrament. It's unreleased because, okay, God in His grace wants to fill you with the Spirit. But in the mystery of God, it requires also your free will. It requires your desire. And so, in God's goodness, it can come to you later when you are in desperate need for the power of God. So, uh, whatever uh, it is, where you are today, because I believe, friends, God is pouring out His Spirit. So I believe God is working out His salvation in an accelerated and wonderful way in the midst of death, in the midst of COVID-19. That's Isaiah 60, 1-3, right? Thick darkness covers the earth, but the glory of God shines on you and nations come to your light, come to your brightness. So this conference, I believe, is in step with God's larger purposes. He wants to pour out His Spirit on all His offspring. That's Isaiah 43, like water on thirsty land. So I want to ask you to spread your wings, spread your sails to catch the sturdy flow of the Spirit. Now I've spoken about the Spirit coming upon us in a distinct way. May I have a quick word 
on how there's opportunity to be filled with the Spirit when you come for Holy Communion. When you come for Holy Communion, uh, it is based from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Would you turn to it for a moment? You see, Scripture is so powerful in how it invites us to experience more of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 2 and 4. So it's referring to the Old Testament, the Old Testament people crossing the wilderness. How are they sustained? It's a good picture, friends, because our journey, our pilgrimage is through the wilderness of the world. Of course, the world is glittering and, you know, and very upbeat about things. But spiritually, the world is in a wilderness, even in rebellion. How do we cross through uh, with spiritually nourished lives? Listen to this. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses, initiated, immersed in that whole community with Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. The inspired Paul, inspired by the Spirit, takes an Old Testament narrative account. They went through and they drank from this rock. You remember in the wilderness, God used Moses and water would spring out of the rock. And he's saying that rock represents Christ. We are going through life and it's turbulent and it's shaking, but we have a rock. And we come to the rock to drink. So the spiritual writers have helped me to see when I come to the communion rail, I'm receiving Christ. I'm receiving bread and wine as his life to me, the body and blood of Christ. And this passage allows me to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Because I want to drink from the water of life. Drink from the Holy Spirit. So I want to let you know that God has a way of filling us because he loves us and he knows that we need it. And then later on in my third session, we are asked to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow! So not only a distinct experience and moving the fourfold new life in the Spirit, right? Fourfold. But we are to be continually, so it's not once and that's it, but to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me finish now with how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit. Bishop Chubanit was alone in his room and the Spirit was upon him and he said, yeah, you don't have to live such a dampened and lackluster and in a sense angry, frustrated life. My Spirit can usher you into a new life where it's the power of God flowing. My beloved and myself visited him uh, 
when he was well advanced in age, in his 90s, still aglow with the Spirit. He's the one who received from God these words, give my church back to me. Give my church back to me. Beloved all saints, let's give all saints back to God. The power is his. It's not our power to shape all saints. The power is his. And he will make you. And he will fill you. And he will use you wonderfully. I have no doubt. And he'll do it by the Spirit, you see. So how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Important, as we prepare for this, you can begin to ask even now. I'm not going to have a straight jacket. Come Holy Spirit. Even this afternoon when we have the break, I find that I walk a lot in the beaches and the parks. That's when I commune with God. Within the veil I come. And for me, very often, is while I'm walking, sometimes cycling, just communing with Him. So please respond, right? And remember, it's Jesus who baptizes. It's not who lays hands on you. Tomorrow, at the service, we have opportunity, and it'll be our joy, your pastor and mine, to lay hands discreetly according to the guidelines. But the, the gesture is for you to be filled. But it's not us. It's Jesus who immerses you, fills you with the Holy Spirit. It's a very wonderful thing that Jesus is identified as the one. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but in a short while will come here, him who is before me and he baptizes you with the Spirit. So our initiation is not going back to the covenant. Our initiation is to go in to the kingdom of God and it's breaking forth. Yes, already not yet, but it's powerful and nothing can stop God. And finally it'll be completed when the king returns. So we need this. And the king is now wanting to fill us with his spirit. So as we do, have Jesus in your mind. And the way to prepare for this, you have there an acronym, ready, R, repent. Maybe spend time. It's wonderful that the way God worked it, we're not just, you know, one after another, back to back. You have time tonight. You have time tomorrow. Repent. Come clean with God. Yeah. A broken and contrite heart of God you will not despise. Yeah. So repent. Confess every sin that he shows you. And then expect. Expect with confidence that God will pour out his spirit. A. Ask. Ask him specifically, Lord, I need you. <laughs> you know all about me more than I know myself. But you love me. And you've chosen me, and I believe your word. Yeah, your word I praise and ask him. Desire, long for it. Yeah. Today, tomorrow, thank God for the gift of the worship team just helping us to uh, yeah, stir that desire. Lord, yeah, I need you, Lord. Oh, how I need you. And then yield. Yield yourself. Let God meet you, fill you the way he wants. It'll be a decisive It'll be a distinct experience. Maybe different for different ones, but you will know it and the church will know it. Uh, both 
maybe visibly when you're here, some people, the tears, but they are tears of joy and they're tears of healing. Some people burst out with joy, yeah, uh, uncontrollable laughter, a little bit like Sarah, and then several just burst out in praise as we behold God, so yield to God. I close now, first drawing your attention that it is the filling, is a distinct experience. But I want now to finish by saying, what is important is not the experience in and of itself. What is important is what flows from the experience. And I've given you the fourfold flow of how the power of the Spirit is released. So when you are baptized in the Spirit, when you're filled with the Spirit, it launches you on a journey of spiritual transformation and fruitful ministry, all for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray and then we'll have question and answer. Uh, Heavenly Father, just thank you. We can now pause. Thank you for giving us the staying power for these two sessions. Praise you that your Holy Spirit is already working, creating faith, assuring us of forgiveness, telling us that the promise is for us, each one of us. Father, from your throne above, send your spirit. We are unworthy, Lord. Our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our words, actions, all need cleansing. So we come to Jesus to be cleansed. So that the vessel can receive the free flow, the wind of your Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe life. Forgive us all that is past and grant us newness of life. I pray new gifts of the Spirit, or maybe for some of us, we've neglected the gifts. Lord, restore, restore, Lord. And then add new gifts, a new heart. Father, I'm bringing families to you. Oh Lord, help us to be your instrument of love and peace and hope, even in our own families. We pray not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, Lord. And let the light shine, let the light shine. Lord, there are people that only we can reach because they are in our world. Yeah, and we pray passion, passion, desire for them to know Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Increase the hunger. Increase the expectancy. And then fulfill what only you can do. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.